Hi, this is Corey Olson, and welcome to Students of the Word. This podcast consists of recordings of the weekly Bible study I've started running in February of 2022. I'm doing close reading, uh, which means we're going very slowly, thinking really carefully about the words, how everything fits together, and then, of course, also thinking about what this means for us and what we do with it. Thanks for listening, and I pray that God will bless the reading of his word as we study together. Okay, welcome to episode 19, an episode which is going to be a bit of a voyage of discovery. Well, they're all kind of voyages of discovery, but uh, I guess in this one, we just uh, we came to some places I did not necessarily expect to go. In particular, we're going to spend a bunch of time thinking through again how this stuff about the darkness that's passing away and the true light that already shines, how that fits into the larger pattern of what John has been saying. And this is going to lead me to a shocking conclusion that I did not enter. Anticipate. And then after that, we're going we're gonna to wrestle with the classic question of who exactly is my brother? And finally, we're going to get a look at a message of hope and redemption contained, potentially, in the phrase until now. So lots of action here this week, and I hope you enjoy our episode today. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to Students of the Word. This is session number 19, uh, and today we're going to finish up. We've still got some things to talk about, uh, about verse 8 of chapter 2, uh, and then hopefully uh, moving on to verse 9, uh, especially to see sort of part of the larger pattern. And that's the main thing I want to emphasize as we're uh, getting in here. We, we spent some time looking at verse 8 in the context of the three paragraphs that had come before. Um, specifically, we spent a bunch of time thinking about the old commandment and the new commandment, um, uh, you know, what John seems to mean by saying it's not a fresh commandment, except it is a fresh commandment, right? Um, uh, and I feel comfortable with where we got to there, that, you know, the first thing that he says is this does not replace the old commandment. This is not a, this is not an innovation. This is not a brand new thing. This is, uh, you know, thoroughly rooted in what you have heard from the beginning. But on the other hand, this is also pretty fresh. And that's what I want to get back to, what exactly he means by that. And I feel like the the main thing we need to do with verse eight is kind of take a couple steps back. We were looking at the individual terms and trying to make sure that we're understanding those things. And I think that's really, really good. Um, but I think that what we didn't do is step back and look, in a sense, at sort of uh, something more like the plain sense uh, of this verse. Um, on the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The imagery that he uses in that last phrase, because the darkness, without us, cause pair of clauses, really, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Um, the imagery that he uses there is very striking, and I spent a while talking about that, right, about how he is suggesting that the darkness is going away, but the light is already there, right? And this is a, a thing, as I was suggesting, that seems uh, almost like a paradox, almost like some, something that's kind of hard to imagine. Um, and I, I don't think this is just due to the limitation of my imagination, which is doubtless very limited, but uh, but I don't think it's I don't think it's primarily that. Remember that we began um, this whole after the sort of preamble stuff. We began this whole epistle with that statement about how the message that he heard from him from Jesus and is declaring unto us is that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. Right, that complete antipathy of darkness and light. Um, that those two things don't mingle. Right, and yet what he describes here is 
not exactly a mingling, but a simultaneous situation, right? The true light is, is already shining. It's there right now. But the darkness is not yet passed. It is in the process still of passing away. Um, and there's, there's that acknowledgement of process, I think, is really, really important uh, in trying to understand what is, uh, uh, what is happening here. So what's the situation? he's describing what's he talking about what is he not just what's the imagery he's using but what's he referring to what does he mean when he says the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining well the true light we have um several reasons to be able to figure out what he's talking to talking about there right um god is light and in him is no darkness at all right so god is the true light presumably, right? But how does that make sense? The true light is already shining. Um, I think it's pretty clear that he's referring to the resurrection of Jesus, right? That he's referring to, uh, is he referring to the ascension? I don't know. Um, But certainly when he's talking about the true light, you know, the light, which is the truth. uh, And again, that word true keeps coming up, right? Whether as a as a noun or an adjective or an adverb, as we've seen. Um, and I think it's very important every time it comes up. Um, and it is, it has, I believe, been connected with Jesus and with the Spirit. He hasn't talked about the Spirit at all, so I'm not even going to go there yet. Um, but he is going to get there. Um, and uh, we're, uh, we're going to, we'll see. Uh, we'll see more of that later on. I don't want to get there first be early because he hasn't introduced that element yet. But I do think uh, that the truth is clearly connected in John's mind here with Jesus. And as we've been looking at, um, the parallel between the truth and the word. Yeah, exactly. Hey, it talks about the incarnation. Yeah, exactly. I think that we definitely see um, John's idea of the importance of the incarnation at work there right? The true light is already shining. The light, the, the, the word has become flesh and dwelt among us. Think about what that means, dwelt among us, from the context of a, a first century Jew, right? Um, think of what it meant for God to dwell among his people in the, in, the, in the temple and in the tabernacle before it, right? The glory of the Lord resting upon the temple, right? Um, that, that, that's like the true light, right? Um, uh, that is, uh, you know, the light, which is, you know, again, thinking about the gospel of John, the light of the world, uh, and all that. The true light is already shining. Um, this, I believe, is what is why he says, you know, actually, this is a fresh commandment. Um, it's a fresh commandment because the situation is different now right? It's not, things aren't like they used to be. Um, things aren't like they used to be. The Messiah has come and everything has changed, including, of course, <laughs> what people thought the Messiah was going to be and going to mean, right? Um, the true light is already shining. So yeah, there's a new commandment. Now, let's back up again. What's the new commandment? What exactly, what's the commandment he's referring to? all the way through seven and eight. I'm not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment actually kind of is a little bit new. Um, what What is the commandment exactly that he's writing? And one of the things that I would say about this is that 
Um, you know, I don't think that this means there's like a single verse in the early part of the book that he's singling out. Um, rather, I think that what he is sort of making explicit here is something that we've been noticing all along. That is, he keeps saying the same things in different words, right? He keeps saying, he keeps combining things differently, expressing things differently, which tell us new things, right? Which help us to understand it in new and different ways. But at the end of the day, um, he keeps saying sort of, he, he keeps pointing to the same truth again and again. And that truth, he calls it a commandment, right? That is, it's not just, so God is light and in him is no darkness at all. He says that's the message, right? And certainly that's where he begins. Um, but that's not a commandment. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. That's not, that's not, that's not a commandment. You can't keep it, right? It's not, um, uh, there's no instruction. To, I mean, okay, there's instruction to us, but there's no directions to us there, right? That has nothing to do with uh, um, with our actions. And commandments do, right? Commandments are telling you to do something by definition, right? Um, but look at what he does right after that. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That's the commandment. Also, the one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. That's the commandment too, right? And spoiler, we're just about to get to it again in verse 9 and 10. The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. Doesn't it sound like he's saying, I get, you see that the exactly similar pattern of these things again and again, right? And there's more stuff in between there, right? More stuff, which, you know, kind of unpacks some things and helps us to like, you know, the, the first time he does he does it right. He does like this sort of commandment. Um, you know, we get, then we get all this stuff about like, if we say we don't have sin or if we say we've never sinned and, uh, and about having an advocate with the father and Jesus being the propitiation for our sins. Right. So we had all of this, which is, uh, helping us to understand more about the blood of Jesus, his son, cleansing us from all sin, for instance. Right. Um, but the core thing, the core commandment, if we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light. Now, notice none of this is framed as a commandment. There's almost nothing that he has said in this whole book so far, which is just a, like in the imperative mood, right? Do this, do this thing, right? In that sense, he's not given commandments, but we can see the pattern here right? Um, we start off with that first fact, and it's always the discrepancy, right? If we say we have fellowship with him, but walk in darkness, then we're not doing it. But if we walk in the light, then this will happen. So what's the commandment? Walk in the light, as he himself is in the light. If we want to have fellowship with him, if we want to claim to, if we have to rightly claim we have fellowship with him we need to walk in the light as he himself is in the light and then we will have fellowship with him and with one another because the blood of jesus his son 
will cleanse us from all sin when we do that, right? Similarly, if we want to claim we've come to know him, if we claim that we've come to know him, we don't keep his commandments, once again, we're a liar and the truth is not in us. But if we keep his word, then the love of God has been, has truly, adverb, been perfected in us, right? Like the blood of Jesus Christ cleansing us from all sin. Again, I'm not saying that to say those two things is to say exactly the same thing. He's saying he's giving us new ways to understand this. But again, the pattern, the core is still, it's about being in fellowship with God, right? What do you have to do to be in fellowship with God? What does it mean to be in fellowship with God? How do you know if you're in fellowship with God, right? Um, what is the, and if, so, so in a sense, his commandment here is like a meta commandment, right? His commandment is to keep the commandments. Um, but I don't think when he talks about a new or an old commandment in verses six, seven and eight, he's talking about these commandments here, Jesus's commandments, um, the commandment to love the father and to love one another. Um, those are the Jesus's commandments, right? I don't think he's referring to those commandments, but again, but though there is that pattern, right? Jesus's commandments as well were also kind of new and old, right? Jesus's commandments were not fresh commandments. He was not replacing the old commandments. He wasn't saying that the, you know, the Torah and the prophets are, are, are over and you can ignore them now. Very explicitly, he said he was not saying that, right? That uh, not one jot or tittle will pass away in the marvelous King James phrase. I love the jots and tittles. Um, but um, anyway, not a single stroke, not a single pen stroke of the scriptures are going to uh, pass away or be made void, Jesus says, right? Not a new commandment, right? And yet also, on the other hand, it kind of is a fresh commandment, right? Um, it was clearly received as such by the people. I mean, again, you think about the context of the story in which Jesus delivers that commandment, you know, summing up the law and the prophets, um, i.e., I, my understanding of Jesus saying the law and the prophets means shorthand, the whole Hebrew Bible, right? I'm going to summarize the whole Hebrew Bible uh, into commandments, right? Um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And remember, the people who were listening to that, to him say those things were people who knew the law and the prophets quite well, right? Who, who uh, were quite thoroughly steeped in the Hebrew scriptures. And um, yet Jesus is commandment here seems like a fresh commandment to them. Um, there is something new and fresh about it. So it, it has that pattern as well. But again, I don't think he's just referring back to those commandments here. He says, I am not writing you a commandment to you, but an old commandment, which you've had from the beginning. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, right? Um, and again, he's not, he's not adding onto Jesus's commandments here. I think he's uh, what he's doing is he's pointing out this pattern of things that he's um, that he's saying. This is not this is not new, but the situation is new because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Um, again, he's going to do it again. The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light. And there is no cause for stumbling in him. And you can see the way in which this next iteration of this formula, right, of this, of this, of this pattern um, connects back to what we saw before, 
right? Follows a similar pattern to the ones uh, that we saw before, um, but also, you know, introduces some new things and invites us to look at it uh, in some new ways, picking up on the darkness and light imagery of verse eight, but we'll get there. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do it. We'll do a, a more detailed discussion of that. Hopefully hoping to get to verse nine today. Um, but this is the sense in which I think the commandment is true in him and in you, the new commandment that he's writing, right? This new thing that he's asserting again and again, um, that you can't, claim that if you claim you, you know uh, uh, union with god right if you if you if you claim koinonia with god um and yet these other things are true you're not you're walking in darkness you're not keeping his his commandments you're not keeping his word um or in verse 9 which he hasn't said yet you hate you're hating your brother right um if any of those other things are also true then then your claim is empty. It's not possible. It's not possible to do that. But if you do, right, um, if you walk in the light instead, if you keep his word, if you abide in the light, right? So there's, a, there's those that there's always that, that big, you know, but on the other side, that big statement on the other side of the but. Um, but if you do keep his word, abide in the light, walk in the light as he is in the light, then, uh, then something else will happen, right? Then the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you from all sin. Then the love of God is perfected in you. Then you abide in the light and there is no cause of stumbling in you, right? And I think that this is what if we think about sort of the way that there are the two sides of this, right? If you're living a lie, if you're trying to assert something that's impossible, that's mutually contradictory, um, then you're just attempting to deceive yourself and possibly others. Certainly at least yourself, uh, uh, possibly others as well. But, but if you do these other things, then this will be true of you and God, then God is going to do these things. Then the blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse you of all your sin. Then, um, uh, then the, uh, oh yeah, the love of God is perfected in you, right? Then there is no cause of stumbling in you. And I think that this is probably what he means when he says, which is true in him and in you. On the other hand, I'm writing a new commandment, which is true in him and in you. Because um, it's it's it involves both parties, right? Um, which, by the way, has always been true of God's covenants, hasn't it? Right? Um, that's been the pattern with God and his people from the from Abraham on. Um arguably from Noah on, even from Adam on, if you do this, then this will happen, right? I mean, you could say this all goes back to Genesis 2 and 3 even, right? Um, but this idea of if you keep God's commandments, then 
you will have blessing and relationship with him is a super, that's not a fresh commandment at all, right? That's not a new thing in any way, right? And at the end of the day, that's the pattern that he's saying. And again, I think it's what he means when he says this, is, which thing is true. And we talked about that word truth, right? Like what it means in practical terms, not just when we're sort of taking it as like, okay, he's pointing to Jesus with this word, right? But what it means to be true, for this to be true in him and in us. Um, uh, we talked about true being about being consistent, right? About like the nature of God to be, uh, unwavering. God is unwavering. Um, this will, what he promises will happen if these things occur. So which thing is true in him and in you, um, this if then thing, right? This, uh, if you say this and that, well, then that's not true. But if this happens instead, um, then this other blessing will happen. Your sins will be cleansed. The love of God will be perfected in you. There'll be no cause of stumbling in you. Um, you and him can be both in the truth, right? Or, you know, you can be in the darkness and he can be, yeah, you can be in the darkness and he can be in the light. Um, but again, I think that's what he means by which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. So let's talk about that then for a minute. What does he mean, do you think, by the darkness is passing away? I can see that in a couple of different ways. I can see that sort of um, globally speaking, like I can see that in a big picture sense, the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining um, in the sense that um, the incarnation and the resurrection are game changers, right? Big picture game changers. The kingdom of heaven has come as Jesus says, right? Um, uh, the kingdom of heaven has come. Earth is under new management now. Uh, I mean, this is, uh, you know, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is a kind of a big deal, right? Um, the darkness isn't gone. You look around and you can see the darkness is not gone, but it's passing away. And the true light is already shining. Right. So that he's, yeah, again, we were talking earlier about John saying, okay, so you believe in Jesus. What now? So Jesus has died and risen again. What now? Right. So now, what is, now, now what? Now what? Right. And I think we can see the now what explicitly being alluded to there. The true light is already shining, darkness isn't gone but the true light is already shining. Okay. Uh, now what? Right. Well, one of the things that notice the because I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you because the darkness, what is because I am writing a new commandment to you because the darkness is passing away. That's why. So if I'm understanding the syntax here correctly, because because introduces an adverbial clause, right? That is, it describes 
a verb. It tells you the circumstances of the verb. That's how because clauses work, right? I am doing this because, right? Um, the because clause gives you information to contextualize the action, right? Um, the verb that is being contextualized by that whole phrase, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining, is I am writing a new commandment to you. Writing, right? This is why he's writing to us. Why is writing a new commandment to us? Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. That is because, and I would, I guess I would emphasize two things the way that he's emphasizing two things. Um, and the two things I would say is that first, because you're on a battlefield, right? The darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Both of those things are true, right? Um, there's conflict between light and darkness, right? There's both darkness and there is light. Um, that's why. I'm writing this new commandment unto you because I want you to understand that. I want you to see the implications of that. I want you to really think through what that means. And again, that's what we see with the pattern of these commandments he's been giving all the way along, right? He always starts with, if you say this, but, you know, if you say you have fellowship with God, but walk in darkness, you're lying. It's just, you're saying a thing which cannot be. Right. If you say you've come to know him, but you don't keep his commandments, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. Um, if you say you're in the light and yet you hate your brother, guess what, dude? You're actually in the darkness. You think you're in the light, but you're in the darkness. Um, this, there's, this happens, right? There is darkness. It's easy still to walk in darkness. It's easy to be in the darkness, even if you think you're in the light, right? Um, so because this is true, because both of these things are, are, are in force right now, the darkness is passing away, but it's still there, right? Um, for this reason, because of this, I'm writing this new commandment unto you, right? But there's another element there, I think, that is I'm writing this new commandment to you because that is, we can look at the other side of that equation, right? Um, yeah, there's darkness still there, but it's passing away. And the, the true light, it's, all, it, it's already shining. It's begun, right? It's begun. Um, again, in a sense, I'm not saying anything new here. I'm saying the same thing again, right? Um, but just emphasizing the other side of it, right? Um, and the other side of it is that the true light is there. The light is available. Again, like, yeah, I, I, I want to point out the danger, right, of believing you have fellowship with God and yet walking in darkness. That's a big problem, right? Um, and very, very possible. So be careful about that. But of course, what he really emphasizes is the other half of the equation. But if you walk in the light, as he is in the light, because guess what? You can. Because there it is. The true light is already shining. 
there there is darkness that you could walk in right you could end up thinking you're in the light but actually being in the darkness as he's about to explain but but the true light is there you can walk in the light as he is in the light that that absolutely can happen the love of god can be perfected in you because you can keep his word um because both of those things are true. The darkness is there, but it's also passing away, right? We know what direction the arrow is pointed in here, right? It's pointed towards the light um, and the light is there. Therefore, I'm writing this commandment to you. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, right, right. Uh, uh, John... Uh, John Meek is talking about um, how uh, Oscar Coleman used the analogy of D-Day and V-Day. Uh, the major victory had been won um, on D-Day, but the fighting wasn't over uh, as the darkness was passing, even as the darkness was passing away until V-Day, right, until Victory Day. Um, uh, so it is in his analogy with the death and resurrection of Christ and the second coming. Uh, thus, we get the already not yet tension that we see in this passage. Um, yeah, no, no, I, I, I yeah, I agree. I, I think that's exactly... Uh, I think that that's exactly it. And I think that both of those elements, I think it's important not, in a sense, to resolve the tension here, right? Um, both things are really true. And this is why we've been seeing all of the the, the two sides to every commandment that he's been giving, right? Um, we must absolutely, like, abide in the truth that we can walk in the light as he is in the light. We must abide in the truth uh, that we can keep his word. Um, and, uh, you know, that we can abide in the light as he's going to explain. Um, but walking in darkness, um, you know, not keeping his commandments, like these things, it's, there's still, there's still darkness and there's still room for darkness. Um, so the situation is new. The situation is new. Uh, and it's new in a good way, largely, <laughs> right? Um, but the old situation has not completely altered. It's not completely changed, even though it is passing away. And we'll come back to that. The darkness is passing away. Um, that's going to be a little motif of the whole rest of uh, chapter two, actually. He's going to keep coming back to that idea of the darkness passing away. We'll get some more context for what he means by that. Um, I was talking, though, about how you can take that globally, but also I think you can take it more locally as well. Um, that is, I believe that it also applies to us individually. Back to which is true in him and in you. When I talked about the commandment being true, and I was talking about that, like God's reliability, right? Well, his statement there, which is true in him and in you, might feel a little bit uneven, mightn't it? Right? Like, okay, yeah, it's true of God, right? Sure. Like, that's who he is. God is going to stay true to who he is. God's going to keep his promises. Okay, agreed, right? So, yeah, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then yes, we know we can count on God to respond in the way that he says he's going to respond, right? That to do what he says he's going to do. 
um, you know, to cleanse, uh, to cleanse us of all unrighteousness, to, 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 uh, you know, for our blood, our, the blood of Jesus to wash away all our sins, um, you know, for the love of God to be perfected in us. We know we can count on God to do that. Right. Um, but to say it's true in me in the same sense in which it's true in him. I mean, he just kind of tosses that out, which is true in him and you both. There you go. Exactly parallel phrases as, as if it's as much of a given that it's true in us as it's true in him. Right. Um, and it makes me want to say like, well, you know, hang on time out a second, John. Like I, you know, I hear you and I'm, I'm thrilled by that idea and everything. And, and really it's very flattering, but I can't really say that I believe that to be true, that it, I, you know, that it is true. It is consistent in me in the same way that it's consistent in, in him and God and Jesus. Um, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. If we take that last phrase as a, alluding, not just again, to the sort of the global situation, right. Um, of uh, exactly, Hey, as you say, the, you know, the incarnation, the coming of Jesus, making all things, making the situation new. But of course that's also true with us, right? Yes. Jesus is coming into the world. His, birth and death and resurrection changes the situation globally speaking, but it also changed the situation locally speaking, right? Jesus didn't just come into the world. Jesus came into me. And that is what those commandments keep focusing on, right? If we keep his word, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, um, if we, and again, that's why in some ways I know there are many of us who are probably uncomfortable with the kind of if-then construction that John is doing there, right? As if it's up to us, as if it's in our power, what happens to us, right? I know there's a, a lot of people historically who have been very uneasy about that idea, but John keeps talking that way and he keeps insisting on that, right? And again, like the, it's true in him and in you, I, I kind of want to be like, yeah, but wait, I'm not, I don't, John says, I think he says this to us as well as his description of a, a general theological situation. It's also in our hearts that the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Um, that's, um, I think, an acknowledgement that there is going to be still darkness in our hearts. We're not, again, I don't believe that at any point, even though there are lots of places which kind of sound like John is saying, hey, once you're a believer, sin is no longer in the picture, fortunately. Like there's a lot of verses that you can take out of First John that sound that way, right? And I don't think so at all. As we were discussing back, you know, in paragraph two, you know, how he immediately goes from, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Just stop sinning. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Um, both of those things he insists on. Sin is not okay. Like it's not, it's, it's, he says, I write these things to you so that you may not sin. Stop sinning, he says. Um, and then he says, and if you sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Um, uh, he knows 
that there is still that the darkness is passing away. It's going, it's going, but it is still there. However, the true light is already shining there. And because the true light is already shining within us, right? Because Jesus has not just come into the world, he's coming to us as well. Um, Because the true light is already shining, the commandment is true in him and in us, in us because in him, right? Um, The reason John gives this kind of an if-then framework for this whole thing is that God is in fact, acting on both sides of the equation too. Um, But anyway, yeah. And certainly, hey, I absolutely agree that, um, of course, it can't be one or the other, local or global, right? Um, It has to be happening locally to happen globally. And I think it's a really important reminder, hey, I mean, it's really easy um, sometimes, I think, to be thinking in those kinds of global terms, right? To be thinking of like, what like what god is doing in the world right but what god is doing in the world is happening inside the hearts of people right um that's what god is doing (laughs) in the world right uh and because god is doing these things in the hearts of many people then things are happening in the world um but yes there is a way in which we can just kind of sometimes look at or think about like yeah god's doing something out there Right. And also inside me, but like out there. And and you're absolutely right, Hey, the the two things are kind of kind of the same thing. Again, as we see John just simply overlaying them, I believe, in this passage. I mean, I think that, that those clauses, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining, um, I think that those clauses really um I, I are, you know, once again pointing in, in multiple directions at once with those two layers that are ha- happening simultaneously. Um yeah, yeah, absolutely. Randall's talking about how both of these things kind of mirror each other. We operate individually within the broader context. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. There's no there's no either or about the local and the global work, you know, shining of the true light. Um, if the true light is shining in the world, it is shining through us. If the, I'm saying that again, <laughs> I, need to, I think I need to hear that again. Let me say that again. If the true light is shining in the world, it's because it's shining through us. Yeah. Yeah. Echoes of you are the light of the world. Exactly, Randall. Um, and also, remember, if you keep his word, the love of God truly is perfected in you and perhaps not only in us, but through us, right? Um, in that same way. Ooh, okay. That's heavy. Sorry, I'm like pausing because like I'm reeling under the application of this. Uh, this, is this is something I know I need to, I did this, not something I'd planned to talk about today. Uh uh, so sorry, I feel like I'm being ambushed here uh, by this verse here, but this is, um, um, but yeah, so let's, let's, let's just pause here for a moment because I don't want to, uh, I don't want to just move on um, and, uh, uh, and 
uh, miss the significance of that. Absolutely. It is the calling of all believers to be the light. Um, yes. And that I do think it's not just that he's saying both things at once. There is a, a deep sense in which to say those two things. That is to say the thing about the world, the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining in the world. And to say the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining in the hearts of individual believers is not to say two things at all, but to say the same thing. And that's, again, isn't that, isn't that John all over, right? I mean, isn't that exactly like how we have seen him speak throughout this epistle so far, right? Um, not only the way that he's doing that, but the thing that he's doing, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yes. And again, I would point to, um, lest that feel intimidating, right? Um, uh, lest that feel intimidating, like, this lays a responsibility upon you, right, uh, to be the light in the world. Um, and if you mess this up, then there will be darkness in the world. On the one hand, I don't want to diffuse that entirely. Like, that's kind of true. <laughs> like, it does matter. Like, our choices do matter, and our choices do impact more than just ourselves in this way. Um, so to some extent, it is healthy that we should uh, feel this to be a weighty thing. But, um, but I... At the same time, I would also point out the sense of inevitability about everything that John has said. Um, notice what John has never said in this epistle, and that is something like, work really hard. Like, it's going to be tough, but soldier through, right? Like, there's nothing that's been in that direction. Instead, what he keeps saying is, this is true. Because this is true, this other thing is just true, right? I mean, so again, if we go back um, and look at, the, if we if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Again, that doesn't mean like we're gonna, um, it, it, like there's anything that we have to do. Like it's what will happen. It will be simply true, just in the sense of like, if you walk into a building where there are lots of other people, you're gonna be standing near lots of other people, right? Like, I mean, it's it's, it is the inevitable logical consequence, just as when he's talking about, you know, being a liar, um, what he's, he's not just like hurling insults at people. He is saying it is logically inconsistent. It is logically impossible to say this thing and, 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 and not do this thing. And for that to be, I mean, it's just, it's a logical inconsistency. Similarly on the other side, he's like, this is a logical necessity, right? Or to come back to the second time about the love of God being whoever follows his word, whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected, has been perfected. It's done. It's completed by definition. Like you won't, it, you, you know, it's not like, okay, step one, follow God's commandments. Uh, step two, uh, you know, like perfect the love of God. It's, the love of God will be perfected in you if you keep his commandments. Like that's, that's a thing. You can't avoid that. It's, you can't help it. You will be a light in the world 
if you keep his commandments, <laughs> try, like, try to resist it. You can't. Um, it's a it's a logical necessity. Just again, it's like if you don't keep his commandments, you can't come to know him. Not possible. Similarly, if you do come, if you keep his commandments, you will come to know him. It's inescapable, right? It's inescapable. And the love of God will be perfected in you. That's inevitable. It's what it means to keep his commandments. You're, it's, it's redundancy, right? And that, I think, is a comforting thought, right? The true light is already shining, already shining. And it's not like, uh, you know, if you if you keep the commandment, then the true light will shine. No, no, the true light's already shining. So this, yeah, you are, you know, there isn't a duty laid upon you to be the true light in the world. You are the true light in the world. If you're abiding in the light, then guess what? You are being the true light in the world. So um, I, I, I think that uh, it's important to remember the way in which um the the spirit of tautology throughout this letter i mean first john makes so tautology a a tautology t a u t o l o g y uh tautology um a tautology is just um basically a thoroughly redundant statement like you um you say a thing because that thing, right? Like, uh, you know, um, so a tautology is just like, uh, uh, I don't know. I can never come up with good examples. Um, we just, well, like a tautology is if you are in the light, then you will be in the light, right? That's a tautological statement. Um, like, yeah, Thank you. You know, the sort of the proper response to any tautology is like, thank you, Captain Obvious. Right. Um, But that's John's entire approach in this epistle. Right. Thank you, Captain Obvious is like the uh, answer I think John is looking for uh, throughout this epistle. Um, Yes. Yes. Thank you, Captain Obvious. Uh, If you're in the light then you're going to be in the light. Um, and I, that's, that's the, like in a, I, so I hope you see what I mean when I say that scene, that's like the, the sort of the spirit of how John teaches all these things again and again, right? He points out the simple inevitability of these things. If you are in God, you will be in the light and the light will be in you. Um, and uh, if you are not in the light, well, guess what? <laughs> you're not in God. Like that's just, and, and if you're not in God, guess what? You're not in the light. Like it's just, this is super simple, everybody. And, uh, and it sort of flows this way. But again, I think when we're thinking about the application in this way, um, I think that that's really important. And it also prevents us, I think, from getting a swollen head, right? I mean, one of the, uh, there are a couple ways in which that idea of like, if, if the true light is to shine in the world, it has to shine through us. If that, if we're going to apply that, there are a couple dangers there, right? The one danger is to feel burdened by that, right? To be like, oh man, like this is my responsibility, right? I've got to, I've got to, I'm, I, I, I've got to work harder, right? Um, it's not just about that, right? That is not, that is not, I think, John's point. But similarly, we don't want to 
make it a point of pride, right? Well, yes, I am the light of the world, actually. Thank you very much, right? Like it's uh, obviously we don't want to be thinking in that direction. Um, and uh, and again, John's uh, John's approach, um, his logical approach makes that again it's just it's so much simpler than that you know this is not like and now you have been you know cultivated for this really important uh role that's going to make you awesome like no it's not like that at all it's like if you're in the light then you're in the light and you're not in the darkness right it's like that it's not uh don't um uh don't make it don't like don't make yourself a bigger deal, you know, than you are in that sense. But okay. Sorry. Talking to myself. All right. Uh, let's move on to verse nine. Uh, let's look at this. I've already been pointing to this as like the third instance of this uh, pattern. Um, so let's look at some of the details. The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So once again, we see the same pattern. And once again, it's about what we say, right? This is, sorry, I want to go backwards, not forwards. Um, every single time, right? If we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie, right? The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. So once again, we have the saying, and the saying is once again, verse nine, the one claiming, saying, legon, again, it's the verb form of logos, right? The one whose word is um, that they are in the light. In the, and this is just simple. This is the, this is the in, same in preposition, right? That, um, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, ooh, yeah, Devorah, we're going to come to the until now part. Yeah, that, I, that's, I'm, I'm really interested in that last phrase there. Um, okay, claiming to be in the light. Uh, this is the, the this is the simple preposition in, right? Uh, and so uh, we were talking about that when this is, of course, the preposition that's giving us trouble with uh, in him and in you, right, before. But um uh, but usually it's fairly simple, right? Um, who is claiming to be in the light and hating his brother. Now, many translations use inclusive language here to which I cannot see any possible objection. I do not believe that John is actually meaning, you know, referring to males only here. Um, so you've got like the NIV and others uh, use hates his brother or sister basically to try to make that language more inclusive there, which again, I, it seems to me very much uh, what John is saying. I think that his, that, that the brother of him uh, hates his brother um, is, I don't think he's being very specific about the hatred there um, with one possible proviso, which we'll talk about in a moment um, is in darkness until now. Well, actually, no, let's just talk about it now. And yet hates his brother. Um, the question whether or not this is like supposed to be just men, I don't think is, is at all an interesting question here. What I do think is an interesting question is by his brother, does he mean 
other believers or does he mean all people like in the sense that we are all brothers one to another like our fellow human beings or does he mean other believers it does seem possible to me that he's thinking explicitly about believers here because he has talked before about our having fellowship one with another right i mean you will recall that uh in that phrase that we kept almost skipping over there right um uh, if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us from all sin. So the fellowship one with another, both there and in the first paragraph, right? What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also so that you too may have fellowship with us. Oh, and also indeed our fellowship is with the father and his son, Jesus Christ, right? Both of those times he kept putting our fellowship with each other, not only with in parallel to our fellowship with the father and his son, Jesus Christ, but mentioning it prior to it, right? Um, As if to make sure we didn't just skip over it as if it were an afterthought, right? So he does that in both of those cases. So it is clear that the fellowship with one another, the fellowship that we have, um, the fellowship that we have as believers is of very, very great importance to John. Um, Great. Yeah. Um, right. Hey, it says the plural of Adelphos can mean brothers and uh, brothers and sisters. Right. So it's it's even kind of gender inclusive in his Greek usage, you're saying, which makes all kinds of sense to me. Um, but uh, uh, anyway, OK, so. Um, yeah. Uh, I. I'm not sure. Sorry. Uh, Also not in the right paragraph. I'm not sure here. And here's the reason I'm not sure. Purely within the context of 1 John, it sounds to me like he's talking about the fellowship of believers here. However, thinking about the commandments, which he says we're supposed to keep, Jesus's commandments, that is, um, Jesus talks about not, he talks about your neighbor, right? Um, And of course, as we will remember, he illustrates, you know, he responds to the who is my neighbor question, you know, to try to lawyer one's way out of that commandment, right? Uh, By restricting the people whom you could consider your neighbor and therefore whom you are obligated to love as yourself. Um, You know, he responds to that with the Good Samaritan parable, which seems fairly clearly to suggest uh, that um, our neighbors are not just the people that we would like to be our neighbors, but um, that it is very general. Um, The other thing, for that reason, because the love that we are to show to people, because Jesus's teachings make it clear that the love that we are to show to people is not just to be restricted to the inner circle, right? Um, And since the keeping of that commandment is a prerequisite to being in the light in the first place, according to chapter or to paragraph three, um, it's hard for me to see how he could not also be inclusive, not just in gender terms, but 
more broadly here. Um, what do you guys think about that? What do you guys think about? Because his it's his choice of the word brother. And again, I understand like gender inclusivity there, sure. Um, but it's his his choice of that sibling word. Um, but basically, we'd have to conclude that he's doing one of two things, right? He's either using that word in order to differentiate, right? Like say, this is where, this is what, you know, this is, this is where like really counts or where you can really see this or something like that, you know, in the fellowship among believers, or he's saying that everyone is, he's like re wanting to reclassify essentially um, everybody as, uh, as brothers. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Susan asks a very sensible question. Um, and her sensible question is, is brothers ever used for everyone in the New Testament? Well, let's see what we see. Let's do a really quick search. Uh, this is not going to be very exhaustive, despite the fact that I'm looking at the exhaustive concordance. Okay, let's see. Um Let's see. Got brother in the literal blood kin sense. Number one. In the sense of having the same, belonging to the same people, like Jews referring to fellow Jews. Sure. Um. Huh. Here they seem to be arguing. Um, right. So in the sayings of Christ, referring to the Sermon on the Mount here in a couple of places, Adelphos is used Right, for plesion, like the people, to denote any fellow man as having one and the same father with others, that is to say, God, and as descended from the first ancestor, like Adam. Okay, so let's look at this argument here. However, I say to you that everyone being angry with his brother, right, right. Yes. Anyone who shall say to his brother, Racha, right. Right. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I don't think that Jesus is talking about merely internal squabbles here when he talks about being angry with your brother in chapter five. That seems legit. How about in seven? Ah, the moat and the beam in King James language. Um, why do you not look at, why do you look at the splinter that is in the eye of your brother? Yeah. Yeah. Um, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I'm inclined to agree. Um, 
Exactly, Heya. That was the argument, the concordances argument, that there is this, that basically when Jesus is talking this way, he is saying all humanity are siblings, you know, because of our descendant from Adam and Eve and, and ultimately our like parallel relationship with God, right? Um, yeah, and there are some places where it clearly does is means fellow believer united to one another by a bond of affection. Yep, agreed with. That. I mean, that's that's the question: is is it all? Um, yes, since one blood siblings is clearly like the metaphorical basis of the whole thing. Right. And then two and four seem to me parallel since two is uh, to use the word brother in the sense of like your fellow Jew. Right. And then verse four is in the sense of your fellow believer in Christ. And again, I think there's a deliberate parallel between those two things. It's sense three. That is the one that I'm interested in. in the, and and is, is my question are would we be justified in taking John's use of Adelphos? in sense three here in this sense of the brotherhood of man, right? All people. Um, what's sense five? An associate or in office, right? Like my fellow member of my missionary team, basically, right? And sense six is just kind of specifying some of the others, I think. Just with specific reference to Jesus himself. Okay. Okay. Um, well, of course, you know where I'm likely to end up, right? Which is white juice, <laughs> right? Um, and here, especially, I would say, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, no, sorry, sorry, John, I was just reading your response. Um, I do suspect. So, John, let me reply to what you're saying here by saying, I think there is no question that there's no question that so let's take the two senses of brother or just for now focus on the two that are sort of mattering to because obviously not talking just talking about blood kin here right so i think we can we can ignore that and we're not just talking to jews so we can ignore that one too so let's focus on the two senses of the word of, of this siblings word right in the plural um uh Let's think about this sibling word. There's the meaning fellow believers, and there's the meaning fellow human, basically, right? Um, there's no question in my mind that those two things don't exclude one another, right? That is to say, if you're saying fellow humans, that doesn't mean it's not specially true of fellow believers, right? Let me say the same thing another way. If he means, even if he means fellow humans, I still believe that he is, would specially single out fellow believers. And the reason I say that is because of what came before. 
part of this inevitability, right? Part of the tautology he has been building has been about the fellowship of believers, right? He wants to proclaim what he has seen and heard so that we may have fellowship with him, right? So that we may be, have koinonia, be in a, 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 a relationship of koinonia with each other, right? And then he says, if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Well, of course we do. If we're all in the light, we're all in the light together, right? Especially if we think about that sense of the true light now shining while the darkness is passing away. If we're all in the light, we're all, there's one light source, right? There's one light source. We're all standing there together by definition, right? In the same light. Um, So the, it's not possible to not have fellowship with one another, and we talked about this back when we were talking about verse seven, right? That it's not just like, uh, you know, you gain a bunch of in-laws that you may or may not get along with, right? Um, our koinonia with one another is part of our, it's like an, is, an inescapable side effect of our koinonia with God. And if we don't have koinonia with one another, well, then again, that's what exactly where he goes here in paragraph four. If you say you're in the light and hate your brother, I got bad news for you. You're actually not in the light. That just, that disproves the idea that you are in the light, right? Disproves it. Um, think about disputes within the church, right? If you've got two people who both believe that they are right, Right, both people who are arguing some doctrinal point or other, right, in opposition to each other, and they are antagonistic to one another, both believing that they are standing in the light. Well, guess what? Guess what John says to those people? Neither one of you is in the light. The fact that you hate your brother, both of you hate your brother, shows neither one of you is in the light. I don't care what your doctrine is. You're not in the light if you're hating your brother. Um, it's not that either one of you is standing in the light. You know, either of them may be, and I'm sure many of us have found ourselves in this place. I know I have in the past, where I've convinced myself that I'm standing in the light and just trying to, you know, encourage my, my brother to join me in the light. Right? It's so easy to get yourself into that uh, uh, that viewpoint. And John says, "No, nah, it's not true." It's not true. It's not possible. If you hate your, if you're hating your brother, you're in darkness. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. John, you're in the middle of saying a very similar thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So is he talking about relationships among believers? Uh, certainly. Certainly. So I don't think when I'm asking, what does he mean by brother? I don't mean, is it either this or that? It is, I think in the context, it's very clear that he is definitely referring to believers. My only question is whether he's also referring to others as well. Um, Is his use of the word brother exclusive? Like, are we to understand that exclusively? And I don't think so. First of all, I mean, seriously, 
have we ever seen John do that? Be like, no, actually one meaning only, I'm afraid. No, 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 can't go further than that. We've never seen that once in this whole epistle, right? Um, and I think that he means this to be an echo of the commandment, right? Since one of the commandments that we're supposed to keep in order to come to know God is love your neighbor as yourself, um, then anybody who reads this and is like, okay, so as long as I love my fellow believers, then I can hate other people. That's fine. I can still be in the light and hate other people, right? Um, because he's referring to, I, I can get off on a, like some kind of technicality. Well, of course you can't. And you're still breaking the commandment, aren't you? And you don't know God at all. Um, but boy, I say that that's obvious. Like that is obvious that, you know, one can't try to twist this verse to mean that, to give you a kind of permission, right? To hate people outside the church, right? To hate non-believers or whatever. Um, I sort of lightly say it's obvious that one can't do that. But how often do we see this? I find this is so heartbreaking to me. I, I mean, it just look around. My goodness, the world is in a mess right now. And one of the this is one of the ways in which that that bothers me most about the current state of the world is Christians, whole churches invested in hating other people uh, because they believe that they're standing in the light. I mean, man. So yeah, no, I mean that those two things are overlaid here. Um, uh, I think is, is really clear, but I do think that we should hear the emphasis that sort of primary emphasis really on other believers as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Randall was saying, I'd always sort of assumed it automatically extended, extended to all people. And again, I think it, I got a must, like it has to, or it violates one of Jesus's own commandments. Right. Um, but uh, um, yeah. Yeah. So I do think, I do think that it's, I do think that it is both. But I think that there has to be a special spotlight on the fellow believer. Again, on account of the koinonia stuff that he was saying earlier on. Um, but let's come, Devorah, to the question that you had. Because, I, again, I find that really fascinating, too. The until now, at the end. The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. So, Devoro, I want to go back to your comment here. You're saying, I'm confused by the un until now. It implies that uh, being in the darkness is over now. Yeah. Okay. I That's, um, yes. Uh, I think there are a couple of different ways. <laughs> surprise, surprise. I think there are a couple of different ways we can take until now. Um, I think the primary sense of that is, um, the one who says he's in the light and yet hates his brother has been in the darkness all along is, is one way I would paraphrase it to try to get at what he's, what I think is the primary meaning of until now. Um, he's saying like, get up to this point, he's been in the, like, he thinks he's in the, it's not just that like, yeah, he was in the light, but he's now kind of wandered out of the light. It's like, no man, if he's hating his brother, like dude has been in the darkness the whole time, right? This isn't even like I, you know, like I, I'm in the light, but I'm still dealing with the fact that I hate my brother. Like, no, if you're still hating your brother, you're not, you're not in the light yet. Like it's, it's not possible just as it's not possible 
to come to know God until you're keeping it like without keeping his commandments. Right. One of which is by the way, to love one another. Right. So, uh, so yeah, we, we, we can't, it's not possible. Um, and since coming to know God and being in the light are the same thing, then, you know, like you can't. Um, so part of that is just simply like, like he, he doesn't actually use the same, he doesn't use the same words he used before. He doesn't call this person a liar, right? They're saying this and it's not true, right? Um, so he doesn't say they're a liar. Instead, he does, well, again, what he's been doing. Like, this is the reality. The reality is he's in the darkness until now. Um, the reality is that it's just, it's just, it's not true. You believe you're in the light but you're not in the light. Just as if you say you're in fellowship with God and walking in darkness, um, you're not doing the truth, right? Um, uh, that's not possible. So on the one hand, it's, I think, until now, definitely does mean, um, it's interesting, yeah, Heia says that her Norwegian translation translates it as, is still in the darkness, yes. And I think, I bet we're going to see that in a couple other places. Uh, in the King James uh, we have is in darkness even until now. So another, a very little one, of course, it's the King James and the NIV. What do we get? Um, uh, is still in dark, is still in the darkness. Yes. Is still in the darkness says the NIV. The NRSV says is still in the darkness. CEV says are still in the dark. What does the message say? Love me the message. Let's see. It's still in the dark. Yep. There you go. So almost everybody translates it that way. And therefore, I feel the more confident in saying, as I said, that that seems to be the primary, um, uh, the primary meaning there. But, Devorah, here's the additional meaning that I think is still in the darkness misses, um, or like you lose with that translation um, until now. I think there's grace in that phrase is in the darkness until now up until this point they've still been in the darkness so the, this whole time they've been in the darkness they're still in the darkness they never emerged from the dark they think they did but they didn't emerge from the darkness so long as they're still hating their brother but um yes hey uh, but the darkness is passing isn't it yes yes and devora exactly the true light is already shining um there's there's still time one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother there's still a chance for you right uh knock it off <laughs> right love your brother instead of hating him and then guess what you won't be in the darkness anymore right um what i think that there is this sense in until now that uh he is making a strong statement about all of the past up until this moment, right? Fellowship with God has not yet occurred yet. It gets proof that fellowship with God has not yet occurred. If you are hating your brothers, you are not in fellowship with God, period. But doesn't mean you can't be, right? He's not making any claim about the future. He's not condemning these people, right? He's not saying, if you hate your brother, you are in the darkness and you are doomed to perpetual darkness. Like you shall always be. There is, there is grace here, which is very much, I think, 
alluding back to the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Until now, they've been in the darkness. It, it's, it doesn't make his statement any less equivocal a condemnation of that, right? Um, of the hatred of one's brother in either sense, right? But it does open the door. Uh, it does open the door for change. Gets, uh, the blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse you of all sin, right? Um your unrighteousness can be cleansed away and replaced by his righteousness. That's still on the table. You still have an advocate, right? There's still a propitiation for you. All that's still relevant, right? So um, uh, there's still time. <laughs> oh, person who says he's in the light and yet hates his brother. And I love that turn to this. This is what makes this one. So, before he was making these logical statements and, and they were harsh. Kept calling, it kept calling people liars, right? And just saying like, look, what you're saying is not the truth. You are a person who says that which is not, right? You are a liar. Um, you are, your like affiliation is with lies instead of with truth. Um, you are attempting to assert a logical impo- impossibility. All that's true here. Like the same things are all in force, but that's not where he goes with it, right? He doesn't go with, and so you're a liar, right? He means it, right? I mean, again, it's all there. But you're in the darkness until now, right? Um, and I, uh, yes, it is almost, Devorah, almost like um, now, now is the moment of decision. Well, guess what? The moment of decision is always now. You can't make a decision in the future. You can't make a decision in the past, right? Now is the only time. One can ever make a decision. Man, John, me look at this. I feel I'm, I'm like ending with an altar call today. Whew, boy, heavy, <laughs> heavy discussion today. Uh, but yeah, that, it has that sense that until now, I think it, and Devorah, I hadn't really, I had been thinking about it in a purely logical sense until like, honestly, I was, I was rereading this like five minutes uh, um uh, <laughs> John said, "If I unmute him, he'll 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 hop on the organ for me <laughs> to play in the background." That's uh, fantastic. Um, anyway, but I was just saying, like I would, I would when I was just rereading this verse, like ten minutes before we started, um, that that sense that. Um, you know, that, that turning point, that like decision moment, that, uh, that, that grace extended through the phrase until now, just like flashed on me. Um, I, I'd only been thinking of it in the other sense. Um, and the beauty of that really kind of struck me. So I was really, that's why I was really excited when you mentioned it. Cause I was like, oh man, yeah. The until now, man. Yeah. Um, until now. So, um, uh, there's going to be a gap that might even be noticeable by some uh, folks who are following asynchronously uh, before the next session. So until our next session, uh, may you, uh, may, may you, may you hold on to and live in that phrase until now, uh, as we think about the darkness passing away and the true light already shining. All right. Uh, Thanks everybody for joining uh, me today. This has been a really, really, uh, powerful discussion. I have to now go and pray and reflect on a lot of things <laughs> that we talked about here today. Uh, so uh, uh, thanks, everybody. And I will talk to you guys again soon.
Okay, that's it for this week. I'll be back with another episode soon as we continue our march through First John. I'm glad you could join me. Godspeed.